0: Thanks for watching NTD Business. Coming up, OPEC Plus announces the largest cut in oil output since the start of the pandemic. Will it drive up gasoline prices? We have analysis. And SWIFT, the system that helps banks transfer money worldwide, sets out its plan for a central bank digital currency network. How would the world change if people used a central bank digital currency instead of physical money? And the World Trade Organization forecasting a sharp slowdown in global trade. Why and what could this mean? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here for NTD Business. Oil production cartel OPEC Plus is cutting production by a pretty significant amount. Could mean higher gas prices for you down the road. Today, their organization said it will cut production by 2 million barrels per day. This is the biggest cut since 2020. OPEC is a group of major oil producers. Members include Saudi Arabia and Russia. The production cut is equivalent to about 2% of global oil demand. The price of Brent crude oil rose to over $93 a barrel after the news. President Biden said today that he was concerned about the cut, which he called unnecessary. The production cuts will start in November. The group said the cut is, quote, in light of the uncertainty that surrounds the oil market. The White House says another 10 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve will be released to the market next month. And here to talk about the oil output cut is Tom McNulty. He's the president of energy consultancy group TJ McNulty and Company. Here's what he said. Tom, thanks for joining us today. I guess the biggest question here is, do you think a two million barrel per day cut will put upward pressure on gasoline prices, at least to some degree?
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit incrementally. First, it starts with oil, and then that flows through downstream to gasoline. But if you'll notice you, had, you don't have giant movements today. This has been priced into some degree, a million barrels, maybe a million five. So two, probably higher than expected, but oil didn't trade up 5, six, 7, 10 percent. You know it's, it's been trading up over the past several days. It will filter down into higher gasoline prices. but I think it's, it's fairly incremental.
0: So you think uh, prices at the pump will generally stay at where it is right now?
1: Or, or, or move a little higher. But I think this was a very defensive move by OPEC and OPEC Plus to prevent a decline, a much more bigger decline in crude oil prices. They're trying to hold the line.
0: But I guess, what is OPEC's ex- expectations of where oil prices should be? I mean, we're already at around $90 per barrel
1: have to keep in mind, you know, these are, it's revenue for these countries. I mean, they're not generally concerned about a lot of other issues. And so keeping price levels roughly where we are, maybe a little higher, and if they drift a little lower, maybe fine. But this is kind of where, in my view, they want prices to be. And it's tremendous cash flow, tremendous revenue into OPEC and OPEC Plus. And keep in mind that includes Russia.
0: So I guess OPEC makes more money selling fewer barrels at a higher price? That's why they're cutting production?
1: I think, they're, I think they do on the margins. And I think that the important lesson, which I've, I've been saying for many years now, is the United States needs to move and aim for 15 million barrels a day. The United States and North America, more broadly, has to play a bigger role and find a way to drive up production here. So that we can be a stabilizing factor, maybe a, an alternative factor, because this this can be problematic and even dangerous.
0: Now you mentioned that we might see prices go up incrementally. When do you see that happening?
1: I mean, it'll it'll start to happen fairly soon as it filters through, you know, upstream through the midstream complex into the downstream complex where refining is. Um, but I, um, you know, I think that. It, we're going to stay in this range for a while. The United States continues to release oil from the strategic reserve. I mean that, in my view, is dangerous. We're at our lowest levels since 1984. The reserve is not designed to lower prices. You know, in an election season, it's 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 a strategic national security asset, and it's being misused.
0: All right, I see. And we have a statement today from the White House says that the U.S. is now poised to make the most significant investment ever in clean energy transition, you know, to reduce reliance on foreign fossil fuels. What's your reaction on that?
1: Well, it's unclear to me what they really mean by that. So clean or renewables, natural gas is a clean energy source. So is nuclear power. And I think they have to do a better job of being clear on what they mean. Renewables means wind, solar, hydro and geothermal but clean can mean nuclear and natural gas so i think that uh, there's definitely support for biofuels and that inflation reduction act so that affects the crude oil side and the the fuel side but i think it's a muddled strategy and the opec opec plus move also shows that washington was unable to have influence over the big players in the middle east including saudi arabia Uh, they have been trying very hard To influence uh, the Saudis into not doing this and it failed. So it's not a very good day in terms of the foreign policy professionals and apparatus in Washington.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Tom McNulty, president of TJ McNulty Company. Pleasure speaking to you today.
1: Always good to see you. Thank you.
0: And the World Trade Organization thinks global trade will slow way down next year. A slowdown could reduce inflation, but it could also increase the risk of a global recession. Household demand for goods is weakening around the world thanks to soaring energy costs and climbing interest rates. Because of this, the WTO today lowered its trade forecast. It says it thinks global exports and imports will increase by only 1% next year instead of 3%. Several things are weighing on global trade, including trade tensions over the war in Ukraine and COVID lockdowns in China. Onto Wall Street. The two-day rally ran out of gas today, leaving indexes lower. The Dow lost 42 points or one-tenth of a percent. SP S&P fell eight points or two-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq dropped 28 points or a quarter of a percent. The national debt has surpassed $31 trillion for the first time ever. It has been on a steep rise since the pandemic started. Here's more from NTD's Shar Marshall. The Treasury
2: Department published data on Tuesday saying the U.S. national debt has surpassed $31 trillion for the first time in history. President Biden and Congress increased government borrowing during the COVID-19 pandemic in order to prop up the economy amid job losses and supply chain disruptions. Prior to the pandemic, at the end of 2019, the national debt stood at under $23 trillion. Just a year later, when former President Trump was still in office, it had risen to almost $28 trillion, and has continued to add gains since. However, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget said in a Monday statement that the U.S. has now overcome the most severe challenges of the pandemic, but that the Biden administration continues to borrow huge amounts of money. As the committee put it, just in 2022, Congress and the President have approved a combined $1.9 trillion in new borrowing, and President Biden has approved $4.9 trillion in new deficits since taking office. We are addicted to debt. They say what's even more troubling than the debt itself is where it's heading. Warning that excessive borrowing could see inflation skyrocket further and increase the national debt to a new record by 2030. They say government should commit to no further borrowing at least for the remaining three months of this year. In September, Biden pointed out how he reduced the budget deficit.
3: we reducing the federal deficit. You know how they talk about responsible debt? The last guy left me with a giant deficit. Well guess what? In my first year, I reduced the deficit by $350 billion.
2: We reached out to the White House for comment on the national debt and government borrowing but didn't hear back before broadcast.
0: The European Union is hitting Russia with a new round of sanctions. The move comes after Moscow said it was annexing regions in Ukraine. EU member countries today agreed to put a price cap on Russian oil exports. That means no transporting Russian oil by sea to other countries above the price cap. The EU hopes this will hurt Moscow's revenue streams. The new sanctions also include an extended import ban on goods like steel products, machinery, appliances and cigarettes. Before Moscow invaded Ukraine, Russia supplied 40% of Europe's gas and 30% of its oil. But now the EU is trying to ban most Russian oil and gas imports by the end of the year. And on to today's special report. You might remember SWIFT from earlier this year when it cut off Russian banks from its network. It's a system that banks use to transfer money worldwide, and right now it's setting out its plan for a central central bank digital currency network. 90% of the world's central banks are looking into creating their own digital currencies. Even America is developing its own right now. And with SWIFT, they may only need one global connection as opposed to the thousands we have today. So we ask the big question, how would a central bank digital currency system or CBDC system transform the world? How would it transform your daily life, especially if everyone uses it? Some of the potential positives are that it may be faster, easier and cheaper to transfer money, and higher money velocity is usually connected to a strong growing economy. The chief economist of the Tresses hedge fund, Daniel Lacalle, says it'll be easier to set economic policy.
3: The most important positive aspect, obviously, is liquidity is obviously that it uh, eliminates the transmission mechanism of monetary policy that uh, currently is undertaken by commercial banks, and that uh, for central banks, it would be an easy way to understand whether the increase in money supply or the reduction in money supply is having a significant impact on citizens.
0: But Lekaye believes the negatives outweigh the positives. He says that right now, the independence of central banks is even in question. In other words, not everyone trusts them. If everyone used a CBDC, he says this would happen.
3: The central bank would have complete and total access to all of the information of every person. And more importantly, that it can decide to inject, even to take away some of that currency depending on the so-called transmission mechanism of monetary policy. Therefore, what is the biggest risk of central bank digital currencies? Simply that their surveillance disguised as money.
0: Right now the government would need a warrant to see your bank account, but if people were using the central bank's own currency, it could see what you're doing whenever it wants to. Swift is also partner of the World Economic Forum. The WEF is a global organization of powerful people and companies It wants to have the world develop in a way that promotes so-called progressive goals in a more equitable, greener way with ESG priorities. Many have called it global socialism, especially after one of its members, quote, wrote an article titled, Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. The World Economics Forum's membership roster includes President Joe Biden and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. We don't know exactly how close the two organizations are. The SWIFT chief technology officer has her own page on the World Economic Forum website. It says she previously served on one of its councils. SWIFT also frequently cites the forum's research in the network's publications. So if a a system of central bank digital currencies is implemented and people are all using it, would the World Economic Forum's worldview influence it? Mark Fiddleman says he's worried about what governments may do if people are using CBDC. He's the managing director for crypto marketing agency Smart Blocks. He wonders if they could stop him from transacting if they don't like, for example, the
1: color of his shirt. The whole point of digital currencies, at least from the beginning, was that they were supposed to be decentralized and not controlled by a bureaucratic body. That's been the basis of why it's gained, in, cryptocurrencies have gained in, in popularity. Yes, there are some centralized tokens, but the payment tokens, the system of money, the foundation for that should not be controlled by any other entity. I can't imagine the amount of government shenanigans that can happen if they're part of controlling this new system of cryptocurrencies. I'd be very concerned, very worried.
0: Goldman also thinks that governments could have other types of control over your money. They could also come out with tokens that you can only spend on certain things. For example, tokens that you can only spend on renewable energy products or projects or food. Bart Kohler, an executive at payment processing firm Paynuity, says we don't need a completely new money system. This is because he believes the system we have right now is already very good.
3: The current
2: players... Your Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, and some others, you know they're the experts at moving money. They move money very quickly, very securely, and they've been doing it for a long
0: time. He believes SWIFT's plan could be incorporated into the existing system, not replace it. And as SWIFT's CBDC system develops, it will be able to transfer money between more than 200 countries. People will be able to exchange normal fiat currency for CBDC and vice versa. 14 central and commercial banks, including France's and Germany's central banks, are working with SWIFT to make the system a reality. And moving on, some people turn to social media when searching for financial advice. But NTD's Jar Marshall looks into why this practice can be risky.
2: Gen Z is seeking financial advice from TikTok, which for what may seem like obvious reasons can go very badly. Although it is good that they're looking to increase their financial knowledge. More than one-third of Gen Z turned to TikTok for money advice, according to marketing company Vericast. Here's an example of an
3: experience not to follow. I just basically mortgaged my house so I could put all of the equity from the house into XRP. And you might be thinking, I am absolutely crazy, but let me explain to you why I did that.
2: We look for advice from experts with jobs or professional backgrounds in the fields under discussion. Like Ted Rossman of Bankrate.com, who had this to say when I mentioned that video. I think it comes back to that old advice about, like, just because you saw it on TV or you read it on the Internet, that doesn't necessarily make it true. You know, I think that you want to be your own advocate. There's really no single source of truth for financial advice. I asked Rosman if there's a safe way to search for financial advice for those who maybe can't afford an advisor. It varies. You know, even people that have made a living and made a tremendous following with financial advice. I'm thinking people like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman and, you know, all these kind of financial gurus. Sometimes they offer good advice, but it doesn't always apply to everybody or maybe not everything that they say is is the ideal fit for you here's what a couple of young adults had to say when i asked if they would take financial advice from social media
4: if it's from a trusted uh trusted source you know with a grain of salt i wouldn't you know invest all my money into uh a, into a, into something that i i thought might be a scam uh but but you know it was promising you know a, a thousand percent return but you know, I, I, would, I would look into anything that was said.
5: Um, no, probably not.
2: I asked Hope who she would take financial advice from.
5: I guess a financial analyst. I don't know, someone not on TikTok.
2: Sean Marshall, NTD News.
0: And Spotify says it has acquired Kinzen. This is a firm that has helped it identify harmful content on the platform. Kinzen has been working with Spotify since 2020. Initially, the Dublin-based firm focused on the integrity of election content around the world. Since then, the company has targeted misinformation, disinformation, and hate speech. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. Kinzen will provide early warnings about problems in different markets. The goal is to help Spotify moderate content more effectively and in more languages. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come after the break, if you have an older iPad, stick around because Apple's disabling a feature that could affect your device. And footwear brand Crocs celebrating its 20th anniversary by giving away free pairs of clogs. That are more coming up on NTD Business. If you have an older iPad, you better keep your existing cell plan for it, or stay near Wi-Fi. Apple is no longer activating its own Apple SIM card for new cell service. For iPads less than 4 years old, it makes no difference because those models are equipped with eSIMs. Mobile carriers can still activate those. If you have an older iPad that needs new cell service, contact your carrier directly. Some of them may be able to use their own SIM cards to activate older iPads. And Crocs is giving away thousands of free pairs of its clogs to celebrate its 20th anniversary. It's all part of its Free Pair for All Croctober Daily Shoe Giveaway. It's set to run now through Friday. To participate, you must join the Crocs Club. It's free. And then opt in for emails. Crocs were first released in 2002. The shoe brand got a resurgent bump during the pandemic. The company reported record revenue in 2021 of $2.3 billion. And James Bond, the martini-drinking, tuxedo-wearing British secret agent, celebrates 60 years on the silver screen. The next actor to take on the iconic role has big shoes to fill. NTD's Colin Fredrickson has the story.
4: James Bond is celebrating a new milestone, 60 years on the silver screen. October 5th marks the day Dr. No, the first movie in the franchise, made its world premiere in 1962. James Bond. And the day has since been dubbed James Bond Day. But after 25 movies and a decades-long legacy, the big question now is, who will be the next 007? According to Bond sibling producers Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, the search for a new actor hasn't even begun
5: we haven't really even begun to think about the casting because what we have to do is start a whole new reinvention, um, which is what's exciting about being at this place now.
4: With Daniel Craig's final outing as the suave super spy in No Time to Die, fans have been speculating wildly about who would be cast in one of Hollywood's most sought-after roles. Broccoli and Wilson say choosing the right actor has been paramount to the franchise's success.
5: Thank goodness, you know, they cast Sean Connery originally because I think if, Mm. if it had not been him, who knows whether we'd still be here 60 years afterwards? And um, each one of the actors has, you know, transformed the the series in a new direction, kept them fresh and relevant for the time. So, uh, I think the actors are the key to to the success of the film and, you know, and all, obviously also the, all the other talent that, that all comes together to make these films. I mean, if you
1: look at the actors who portrayed Bond, it's very hard to pin down any common characteristic.
4: And the secret to the martini-drinking, tuxedo-wearing British secret agent's longevity?
5: I mean, the reason why we're here for 60 years is because of all the audiences and the fans that have supported these movies. And so, you know, we try to make them as best as we can, and we're really, really thrilled to be here celebrating the 60th.
0: And that's all from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.